Let's get right into another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? Doing all right today. It's a good day. Doing well, doing well. A lot of intriguing news. Just back from Santa Fe, New Mexico, by way of Albuquerque. Where it snowed. Yes. I saw a pic of you in, in the snow. Yes. Wait a minute. Doc had to Thursday see- morning, woke up, and it was snow. I was like, what time is you, time going to make a move. Time to make a move. And uh, But it was like Texas weather outside of it. Snow, you know, where it rains one minute, it's hot the next. Next day, it was sunny and 75 degrees. Snuck up to Las Vegas, 30 miles away. So got a lot done, presented some great presentations. People gave me great accolades on the presentation that we had, so I was excited about that, including one where I talked about Ben L. Calvo Sr. Uh, as a activist, talking about um, him playing that first year, uh, first decade, I should say, that SWAC started in 1920. He played in 1925 to 1929. Two-year All-American, second team in 1927, first team in 1928. Won three SWAC championships, a cold national championship. Talked about him in association with uh, Paul Robeson and activism and what it meant to be an activist in the 1910s and 1920s. And I said, uh, many people look at Paul Robeson activism really more towards the 1930s and when he started to become more voiceful. But I gave a backdrop and historical lesson about what was going on in this country in the 1910s and 1920s when you had the highest number of lynchings at a time. And I did this uh, framework. I said it was the best of times and the worst of times for African-American people when you look at what we call now uh, Harlem Renaissance with the music and art and literature and all kinds of things up in New York and going around in that greater area of where it was the best time where uh, African-American black people were actually show a great deal of cultural richness but you also had things going on in Texas and Deep South, Oklahoma with the Tulsa race riots. True. Lynchings, as I said, out of the whales fighting against those things. And so my suggestion was is that Paul Robeson, Ben L. Cavill as an HBCU counterpart uh, were actually activists by the fact that they stepped on the football field and played. I mean, you had um, people like that when you look at those things. Uh, it was very dangerous literally to play football at those times so i thought that was really the justice no face man leather helmets for real yeah, it, was, it was yeah leather helmets as i call them now i give a leather helmet picture of my show that i do every tuesday from six to seven casewaysradio.com twelve thirty. for those that listen live you can catch it on pod uh, a podcast version on soundcloud every week as well for those that can't keep it catch it live streaming or on the radio dial at 12:30 a.m. or www.kswhradio.com but fact when you look at people like Fritz and you look at those great uh, people and you had folks uh, like the great Iowa State College running back that died in the game uh, for stepping on the field uh, it gives you the fact that you're talking about black masculinity uh, cultural enrichment and uh, ethic pride so that's what I kind of broke wanted to bring out in that um, presentation I gave then so that was really important to me and it kind of ties in in a lot of ways of what we're hearing going on in Missouri uh, with players deciding to make a stance and saying that they were going to join uh, 
the official boycott, if you would, and not playing any football activities until the Missouri president of the system steps down because of his lack of sensitivity, lack of engagement, lack of action in regards to minorities and those that have been disenfranchised. Um, which I think is important is the fact that Missouri coach Gary Pinkle tweets the team picks and states that he supports the players going on strike, which is a statement in and of itself. We continue to see these issues uh, creep up. We con continue to have this framework of uh, hate in our country in a lot of ways. And it's intriguing that this is happening in the backdrops of Missouri, obviously, where we know what took place uh, in Ferguson with Brown uh, a little over a year and a half ago, if you would, almost two years ago now, as you just had the anniversary. So I think it's intriguing to see this going on, and we'll continue to keep you updated what this really means with the hashtag concern students 1950. I think that is a significant statement. And I wanted to make sure I brought that to the forefront before we got further into more of our sporting yeah. context. And there's more. There's a lot of, that goes into the hashtag concerns through the 1950, and I uh, learned of it a month or so ago, and I retweeted uh, one of the first things about it when they had video of their protest, and uh, I think the president, Tim Wolf's driver, hit one of the students. And that's where, the, that's where my interest is. That's when I find out about everything, and if you can go and see their demands, and and uh, now Jonathan Butler's on a hunger strike until President Wolf is removed or resigns. I think the hunger strike now, I think I saw, is going into 160 hours now. And uh, the football players, Missouri football players, are united and they said just uh, in the last hour or so that uh, Mac Rhodes, AD, and I think Coach Pinkle put out a statement that the players will not practice until Jonathan Butler resumes eating. So... It's more than just football. There's a lot that has gone on on the campus of uh, Missouri in the last three to five years. You can go Google it and find all the Yeah, the and some of those things, for those that haven't had the chance to Google it, is the fact that you've had racist incidents um, of various kinds of name-calling, straight out using the N-word, mm -hmm. and one of the last ones, the final straw, um, that really move this movement if you want to call it that uh, forward is the fact that you had somebody write the swastika in the dorm in instrument um which was feces wildcat feces that is i'm not just, gonna i'm gonna let y'all do that that is I'm just let the most say that, you know and that was kind of the final disrespectful but lutler alluding to some of the further things that you said that they wanted to strike and make a statement they were basically and they should they and, should. And so I'm glad that young folks are taking a stand in today's environment. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think they have uh, in various ways. We've seen this over and over again, and it's the young people making statements and using Twitter to get information out on social media, which is another thing I presented during my presentation. So I think there is a foot uh, that people may not realize that there's going to be a groundswell and some things are going to have to change uh, that have been simmering over a while. Similar, and you hadn't seen these kind of movements since the 1960s, 1970s, if you would. And, you know, 
it's sad that it's 2015 we're still dealing with all this it's even sadder that folks have apparently stated that the players scholarships should be taken from them simply for voicing their opinions standing up simply for standing up for themselves what but, but uh, Chris, you know, if you think about it for us well it's, I as mean, reporters you're right we say it's a shameful uh, but there are a lot of the things outside of Gary Pinkle and the AD in this case standing up and making a statement, which I give him a lot of credit for. We've seen a lot of things with the NCA. We've seen a lot of things with ADs and coaches to be just straight up with you that would give many fans the appearances that athletes shouldn't have any rights. So if you're going to create that framework that they don't have any rights, that they're not really employees, what do you think fans are naturally going to get opinion of? particular segment there is obviously this segment out there that's going the opposite is continuing to voice and their voice is becoming louder and louder but i think this out frontness by the nca and that's why i said this is going to be interesting as this continues to move forward because you see people clearly having a delineated line of where they're going to stand on many of these issues and i think as this stuff continues to fester and go further that that they're going to have to be some serious statements made because we continue to see these little chinks in the armor, if, uh, if you would, in regards going back to even the HBCU framework. We're ground the state literally boycotting and not getting on a bus to go to a game in Jackson State. We see with this with Northwestern making a statement um, that obviously legally was turned back. And you see uh, with some of them now retired in terms of the continued fight for the name, likeness, and images. You just found another lawsuit. Uh, so this is going to continue to play forward in a lot of ways. And it's going to be intriguing each step of the way. What is going to be the ultimate tipping point, if you would, to where things have to change to the point where they're not quite like what we've used to see them as. Hmm. So and we'll continue discussing this as long as necessary in these podcasts because that's part of what we do, part of one of our hashtags is sports and more. But Wildcat, Doc. Yep. The uh, AP and coaches poll came out Sunday afternoon. Doc. Four teams, Doc. Four teams from a, the real from the conference. American Athletic Conference are in the top 25 now, Doc. You got a real After Navy conference. defeated a blasted Memphis, really, yeah, yesterday they, in Memphis, 45-20. They, they just rolled up and said, okay. So the uh, highest rank. I'm glad rank, to see that Navy got in there because yes. I was a little nervous before this that this would hurt. And in some ways, probably in the bigger picture, it may hurt American in terms of trying to crash the party. But in terms of getting greater recognition with four teams in the top 25, as you just talked about, I think this is a lot for the American. So we got the U of H is the highest ranked team from the American in the polls at 16, then Temple at 21, Navy at 22, and Memphis still in there at uh, 25. we got Navy and Uvates and Temple are undefeated in conference. Yep. Uvates is 9-0 and after they're a clinged on one homecoming, 33-30 over Cincinnati, but they had some more injuries to the football team. Uh, running back Brian Jackson broke his collarbone. He's off for the season. So the Cougars, once again, have to deal with injuries. Next man up, basically. You hear the cliche in sports a lot, but uh, that's part of it. That's reality. Coach talked about that last night in the uh, post game. Who are you and where can folks find out about this stuff? Uh, they can find out what coaches are. Uh, it wasn't the coach speak last night. We had visitors in the room first. Let me let you know. Uh, the Peach Bowl was in uh, 
I was in town and they were very happy with what they saw. And so I it, bet it, they were. Uh, it's it was interesting. They they kind of like looked around and said, "Wow, we got a packed press." Uh, but is the Peach Bowl a, a New Year's Bowl? It's a it's it's part of the New Year's Six. It is. I have bigger goals for my team than the Peach Bowl. Hold up, man. Hold up. They are no, this. They are this year's schedule for December thirty first. But they are next season's semifinal bowl for the. Was it seventeen? Eight uh, for the seventeen championship? Yeah. So to be moving into a realm of where it normally, as we all say, the Peach group Bowl of five. Many the, people now. Yeah. It's, now, you talk about into a, now you're talking about looking looking into a power a power five contention and taking somebody moving somebody out of that slot. And I kind of like that, Doc. Right now, right, yeah, right now, uh, that will be interesting. because that tells everyone. KG, your school is worthy now. School's in the football business. Now right. we can just do a couple of things. And then and let me uh, let the folks know where they can find that information. Yes, you didn't say that. You sir. too. Yes. At AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. Twitter, Facebook, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., J.L. Woodley 1. Sound call out, AKSV, VCSR. And I want to touch on, I forgot one thing to mention, uh, Cougars defensive back, and this is a, a big blow as well, William Jackson III yeah. is uh, injured and may miss one or two weeks. And so that includes the uh, November 14th game again. Some of the luster's been lost since Memphis is no longer undefeated, but Memphis U of 8, 6 o'clock on Saturday inside the TDECU Stadium. 9-0 U of H, 8-1 Memphis. And William Jackson is uh, probably the highest touted NFL prospect uh, yeah. for the Cougars on this uh, year's team. That was another thing that was that was, that was different in there. Normally you get like one or two guys showing up watching. There were several on the wing, on the far wing, looking at talent last night. So it's, it's good. Uh... Cougars in back in the football business. Now we got to get the stadium full. The, the inclement weather was a problem yesterday. I didn't make it either. I had other issues to take care of, including church. Um, but I will be there, despite the fact the Rockets play the Knicks on the 14th. I'll be there this Saturday. Uh, me and my friends are already making plans for that, tailgating included. So y'all gonna get that done? Man? So we'll get that done, and and then we got the Cougars. Think Cougars play Memphis, Memphis, then UConn. And then November twenty seventh, Navy. Now, Navy is a problem. Now, folks thought I was lying. Navy, and I was joking around. They when are I said a that, 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 that the military schools represent an issue. Every coach that has that's played them during the regular season, out of in the middle of in the, splitting up a conference play. All the military schools except for Army. Well, it, it, it's obviously, <laughs> but uh, Army is not in the football business like Navy is. But the, the Air Force. But one thing about it though. <laughs> they they will find openings. Those teams represent something that uh, most teams don't see. No, in they, a, get in a bowl, oh, they get bowl eligible. There's no question. It's easy for some bowl people to pick no. up. I, and I can see. Well, that, and that's the other thing too. The military schools they travel. 
they they make provisions and all for for when, when they get the bowl games and stuff. They make provisions and those those teams travel. Yeah, they they, they, they and they always gonna have local fans in oh, there yeah. wherever they go. Oh yes, yes so, they so are. That's a so it's a it's a big plus for Navy to be part of the American oh. Athletic Conference. Coach Ken. That's why I was on a lot of levels. That Army didn't take advantage of the oh, yeah. conference. and I think they should have because that would have that would have changed some things as far as what the you know recruiting wise. Uh, you still gonna recruit? You know, you still looking for that that, that guy to, to to join up? But having access to places in the south, states in the south, um, on that, in that mid Atlantic area, it helps. Look at Air Force. Look at Navy. They're not looking back, folks. They're not looking back. Doc and Wildcat, I'm looking at the list of the bowl schedule, and next to. Uh the Peach Bowl, it does say CFP slash NY six, yep. as as uh, as matchup, or I guess possible potential matchup on New Year on New Year's Eve, on December thirty first game, set for, or I think eleven a.m. Houston time on ESPN. I think so, I can make that. So we could see, and I'll have the day off. Well, I'm going to request the day off, so I've already planned on that. So you know. And where is that being played at? That's in Atlanta. Wow. That's what they know, know is the Chick Fil A bowl. Yep. And uh, see, I wasn't gonna say that because they ain't paying us. I wasn't gonna say oh, that part. Uh, of I know somebody's gonna ask you, Doc. Are they in, are they about to get that issue resolved as far as the new stadium in cool. in, in, in Atlanta? Uh, it's already they already built it. It'll oh, be okay. ready to go by next year. There's no oh, issue then. resolved there. They they actually resolved that issue about a year ago before they started actually building on it. And that was the issue you're talking about was the land, and part of that was actually tied oddly enough to HBCU Morris Brown. <laughs> uh, in regards you know, that's, to why I, that's why I brought that up. So that, it came up. That's why I brought part that Part of it was also in regards to a historic church, and so they bought the land, and they're actually have construction. It's near. Finish in a lot of ways, but um, they stated that with the celebration bowl that will be played in uh-huh. the current stadium, that it will move over to the new stadium uh, starting okay. next year. So that's why I've kept up with it okay. even more so. And when I refer to the celebration bowl, that's the December 19th game that will kick off the bowl season with the champion of the MEAC and the champion of the SWAC. And I can give you some updates on what took place this past weekend. Real quick, real quick, just to to tie the knot on this, the highest-ranked champion from the group of five was includes the American, Mid-American, Mountain right. West, Conference USA, and Sunbelt received a spot in either the Fiesta or Peach Bowls. That's great. Now you go ahead, Doc. Which is which is very important, and yeah. sp- specifically with Notre Dame being outside of that and being a part of the Power Five, that they won't take that bid, which is important the way they're playing right now. So it can get very interesting as we get into power the Final Four. And those six. But with that, in terms of the HBC Sports Report, big game outside of the SWAC. We're looking in the MEAC was a game between top 10 ranked North Carolina A&T and South Carolina State. Ended up being a very defensive struggle. Both teams have strong defense. But uh, a 9-6 game was the final with A&T winning the game. And so you can truly talk about, (laughs) as we said, a defensive struggle. One of the problems with A&T was quick. Their quarterback uh, was out with the injury that he had last week's game against Florida A&M, which made their uh, offense anemic. Plus, South Carolina State has a very good uh, defense lead the way by Hargrave. Defensive preseason 
All-American MEAC player uh, of the year preseason-wise, and he continues to get it done. Look for him to play on Sundays as well. With that being said, South Carolina State, for a lot of their fans, really upset. They felt like they gave this game away. They scored early in the fourth quarter with a field goal to go up, held that lead into um, the first half, and then into the third quarter they went up 6-0, and it wasn't until A&T got on the board with a safety uh, 6-2. to With less than two minutes left, South Carolina State had a fourth and one. They were going to punt the ball um, and then got a delay of game penalty, so it went to fourth and six. And so obviously they're going to have to yeah, punt the ball. That, not, not so like fast. This. They decide to trick play. And there was intercepted on the trick play, if you would, and um, really set up A&T uh, for a play that they ran. It was a sort of a trick play. It allowed them to go up, score the touchdown, and go up 9-6. Well, you say, well, the game is over. Less than a minute left in the game. No, South Carolina State, big play. Gets all the way down to the six-yard line. Uh, nine seconds left. Looks like they're going to go for the win, thinking they have enough time. Play is called. Quarterback York comes out of the center, fumbles the ball. He does get on top of it. They're able to get a timeout and get a chance to kick a field goal, and as you know, the score now, obviously the field goal was missed, and A&T wins the game 9-6, staying number one in the bowl rankings and putting themselves that much closer to the Celebration Bowl. The other score that was probably big in regards to that is the fact that North Carolina Central won 43-10 over Delaware State, so their overall record is 6-3, and but they're 5-1 in MEAC. So if both teams can get a win this week. Um, then it sets up a winner-take-all in the North Carolina A&T, North Carolina Central uh, game at the end of the season. And that's a game that Central upset A&T last year. So that could be a very intriguing game, especially if we don't get any updates on Quick in terms of where he is. The other team that's hanging around out there with one loss is Bethune-Cookman, 8-2, That loss was earlier uh, to A&T, a close game before they let A&T get away with it, but they defeated Morgan State that was in the running earlier, but they really beat him up 38-14. Sims goes undefeated for his first season at home uh, with the win over Morgan State Bears and allows them to stay in uh, postseason play FCS, postseason play eligibility as well as trying to find some way into maybe a three-way tie for a championship and no telling what happens when those kind of things mm. work out. So that'll be interesting to keep uh, your eye on with things going on like that. Hampton uh, defeats FAMU, so FAMU continues to struggle. They only have one win on the season. Delaware State, if they're not careful, they'll go winless this year. They're 0-9, 0-6 in the conference play. Just told you about that loss they had to Central. Savannah State keeps playing better. Couldn't quite get it done over Norfolk State, who wins in overtime 20-17 over Savannah State Tigers. So Savannah State stays at that just one win, but are playing much better. Tennessee State loses in overtime in their game as they just cannot get it done. And with that, but Mississippi Valley, <laughs> they get the victory over Alabama A&M. What was that about? Okay, overtime 27-24 Alabama A&M, 2-6, 2-4. And, and you say, what's... What was that about that? Because... I was, I was, I was definitely. I ain't gonna lie to you. I think for Alabama to say, okay, not on us today. Uh, Mississippi Valley is a really tough team to play. A lot of times, you, that's not a team that you want to keep around because oftentimes your team just doesn't get up for them. 
And so they can think they're <laughs> more talented all the time. Yeah, because they hadn't been playing well. But you got Kamaji over there. Kamaji is going to get those guys to play every game. So you better take them out early. Remember the week before last, they had a 17-6 to uh, six lead over Jackson State in the fourth quarter yeah. before Jackson State was able to run uh, and it get did, a couple of big plays and, move and win the game 26-16. So Valley has not stopped playing football this year, to their credit. Um, and they're not giving a lot of scholarships. And don't. Be surprised if they find a way and beat Pine Bluff as well. So they might find a way to get another win. But Gramlin State over Texas Southern just really demolishes them. That was in the Red River Classic. They moved um, to Shreveport. Gramlin looks like they're on their way to Houston um, for that SWAC championship game during December 5th. Uh, Gramlin State won the game 41-15 over Texas Southern. Was a uh, big time catch in that game though. That's going around the social media platforms by the freshman wide receiver Griffin, one-handed, went Odell Beckham on you, leaps up, catches the ball over the shorter five eleven defensive back, draped all over. Never does put the left hand up. He just brings it all in with one hand, brings it in touchdown. Ends up just standing in zone as he walks in there with the ball. Everybody's still amazed with that catch and trying to figure out why did they not get him in the game more often, but. He's having a stellar year. If he could get any help, Texas Southern uh, could get a couple of more W's. But it uh, looks like Gremlin, if they can win this week, they're assured their way in. They're 7-0. and They won't even have to worry about what takes place in the Bayou Classic. And they mm-hmm. have Pine Bluff that is struggling. They got to be 57-24 uh, by Southern. So um, every indication is the Gremlin in. But the reason that it even got interesting is the fact that Prairie went down to Alcorn and jumped out on them 40 yeah. to 14 at halftime and held on 40 to 34, shocking a lot of people. They just did yeah, not think that the Panthers could go down to uh, Mississippi and get that win. Well, they showed everybody uh, that this is a team to be reckoned with, that defense is getting better, but it looks like the State Fair Classic loss early this season, the Grambling will come back to haunt them and they won't be able to make up that game. They have a big one this weekend as they go to Alabama State, Montgomery, and Alabama State is playing well. In fact, they're playing so well that there's only a one-game difference between them and Alcorn State. So Alcorn State has to have either um, win two of the last three to get in, or they need Prairie View to help them out this week and defeat Alabama State, and then they're locked in no matter what they do. So it got a little more interesting in the East. Still an outside chance. uh, in the West, but it looks like we're getting closer to figure out what's going to go on in terms of who's playing the SWAC championship game. Mm-hmm. And obviously the winner of that game will play in the Celebration Bowl that we talked about a little earlier. So things are getting interesting, nitty-gritty as we get down to the last couple of weeks. On to the mid-majors. want to give them some love in terms of what we call our mid-majors, the NCAA Division II programs and NAIA programs, mainly of Langston. Langston uh, got a big win as they continue to get it done. Uh, in regards to conference games, they bounce back. Again, I remind everybody that this is an interim coach that has led them on three straight wins as they're 4-1 in the conference race now in the Central State Football League as they can continue to do big things. And we'll see what this means for them as they're trying to get outside bid to the playoffs as they beat Wayland Baptist um, in that contest. In the game they had against uh, Abilene Mesco Christian, it, oddly enough, is the fact that uh, it's not counted in the conference standing. Uh, we're trying to figure that out with depending on which record you look at. But uh, that's the only team they lost to in terms of conference play. So we'll see how that goes. 
Another big game is Tuskegee. Goes down to Miles. Major upset that in many people's eyes as they lose by three points in a tough contest. As they will now, and I say they, Miles Golden Bears will play for a championship in representing the West Division of the SIC. Also, big time game is Albany State gets over Fort Valley State, and that is 27 to 21. So Albany State will play the Miles Golden Bears as Miles Golden Bears defeats Tuskegee 26 to 23. So that's your matchup next week. That will be on Aspire Network. That's the Magic Johnson Network. Next week at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. And the other big game of the week is the CIAA. Virginia Union, Virginia State, they were playing to see if they could find a way to sneak into the championship game. Virginia Union just nips out Virginia State 28-27. to Big-time game there. Exciting. But Bowie State got the win 63-42, to dominating Elizabeth City State. And we do know now that they've come up with the NCAA violations. Uh, with the CIAA and the way they calculated it is like a .022 loss. I've never heard anything like this. I saw that. I saw it was like .023 for for using an eligible player for one game. Yeah. So despite the fact he played in six games, is that what that, I, is that what I heard? I saw it on Twitter. Right. He, yeah. Yeah. In two I, two conference games, they were not part of the division, um, and basically five. I'll talk about all games. Yeah. But he was only, only penalized for one game? Uh, he, no, they only penalized the way they calculated is .022 each game. So I guess at the end of the day, when you do the calculation, all I can tell you is that they'll be playing in the CIAA Doc. championship. I so basically, you could have an right. NFL player play the whole season. Come on now, Doc. Come on and, now. And, and the penalty Doc. Is, is, Doc. is nothing. Basically. Come on now. All right, I we, can, basically, we, that's we, what we're saying, all right? All I can do that. is send you the link so everybody else can read it. Cause so basically, that's what we're saying, though. I this. play, you can use them all season long. It only costs you this X amount of points. Right. And what they're trying it's, to suggest it's, 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 is it's, 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 it doesn't make sense, but the NCAA is suggesting that the paperwork that North Carolina Central sent to Bowie State was not quite right. So they're not seen as intentional. And so I guess that's huh? the way they came out. With so it wasn't this. intentional. This was not quite right. Right. And so uh, that's the only way. Okay, it's weird it. to me. It, this, it, I've never heard of this before. But this is not supposed to be something that's unprecedented, which is intriguing to me. It's the first time I've heard anything like this. So but where's another case? In the letter, I didn't. That's, you, you, that's you didn't what CIAA and the NCA suggested, that this is normal. This is not unprecedented uh, in terms of having this formula. formula. Like I said, when people come to listen to this, we'll make sure that there's a link to the article so they can read it for themselves. Because there's no way to we explain this. But at the end of the day, what took place is the fact that Winston-Salem State defeated Fayetteville State 24-22. to So Bowie State will play Winston-Salem State for the CIAA ch- championship. And in a lot of ways, why I don't like the fact that they play the eligible player, but the way they bounce back with the backup quarterback uh, and continue to win, um, kudos to them. And it should be an intriguing uh, CIAA championship game in North Carolina. So that game will also be on Aspire Network. It'll take place at 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. So that's my HBCU report, and we'll get you more updates as they continue to go. We're closing out on the season and see who's going to be represented in terms of those top-ranked teams uh, in the bowl season. And we can even give you the top five in terms of some of those rankings to let you know what people are thinking and what the poll says 
this week as it gets just intriguing and more intriguing. Looks like you still have some concern on what I just said. So, you know, what are your thoughts? Don, I've written a lot of computer programs. That, <laughs> don't, look, don't look at me and laugh, but Doc, that, that's a formula I can't comprehend and can't even think up in my mind and all. That just, that's, that's just wild out there and throwing something and putting something together. And saying nobody understands this but me, the person that wrote that program, or whatever they whatever that calculation is, that formula, somebody need to get a patent on that. Because Doc, there's no way that you can justify one player at zero point zero two. Point zero two two three. Is the number to be exact. I hear you. I've <laughs> never heard anything like that. I, I, I just intrigued me. That it's just it's intriguing to asinine. me that you would even put that out there. And the fact <laughs> that I think what's even more fascinating is the fact that the CIAA actually leaned on the NCA to help with the investigation that came up with all this. And then the NCA was essentially the individuals that said this is the way that we will handle this and the way we should handle it. So this is another case where we're just confused by what the NCA says, what it does, what it stands for, so forth. And so forth. On a happier note, let me give you yeah. top five. Real Go quick. ahead. Yes, please do. Top five of the top ten. You can listen to the entire top ten on, like we said, KCH Radio, as we broadcast the entire top ten from six to seven. Uh, www.kcohradio.com, and you can also listen to the podcast on SoundCloud at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Top five of the top ten, starting with Langston Lions. We told you about six and three, four and one. They move up two spots as they continue to win. And number four, Albany State Golden Rams. They win the East Division of the uh, SIAC to play for a championship. They're sitting at six and three, six and zero. Oh. They find a way to get back in the mix. At number three, Tuskegee drops from number one. Obviously, after that upset loss, they're eight and two, six and one. One first place vote. They'll see if they can still get a bid to the playoffs. It will be interesting sitting at 8-2-6-1, very high, high in the regional polls. How hard will this hurt them? We'll find out next week. At number two, Virginia Union Painters, Panthers at 8-2-6-1, four first-place votes. They got snubbed by the CIAA, at least with what their fans yeah. think and what you think in terms yeah. of not playing for the CIAA. We'll see what that means, if it helps or hurts them in terms of getting a, divide, uh, a bid. If they would have won, obviously, CIAA championship, you would think they're automatic in. They're sitting at the se- seventh spot in that region, so they should actually be in for the playoffs. So they got something bigger to play for. We'll see how that uh, works for them. Remember, they had that head-to-head matchup with Bowie State, and that was with Bowie State's backup. They lost that game with the last second touchdown in that game, so they had a chance to do it on the field. Couldn't get it done. And number one, Bowie State Bulldogs, nine and one, seven zero. Five first play vote, um, number two in the poll until I get an actual configuration of what the record is supposed to look like. But according to the letter, that this will not really affect the record, just the ranking in terms of who will play uh, in the championship and I guess in the playoffs. So this is really weird, folks, in a lot of ways. Just keep listening so we can explain it as we get more information and try to figure this out. Again, Five of the top ten teams in the mid-major poll are Langston Lions out of Central State Football League, Albany State Golden Rams at number four out of the SIAC, Tuskegee Golden Tigers at number three out of the SIAC. The two spots are by the CIAA, and they dominated the SIAC this year, so it makes sense that they hold the top spot at number two, Virginia Union Panthers at number one, Bowie State Bulldogs. Let's get to the big boys and see what took place there. As I told you, didn't seem like a lot of changes with 
A&T just sneaking out the win. Does it allow them to stay at number one? Let's see here. Top five programs here. Number five, North Carolina Central. Eagles 6-3, and 5-1. and Could set up a marble stake all game, if you would, if they're able to win this week against A&T. At number four, Prairie Vienna Panthers 6-2, 6-1. and, two, six and one. Willie Simmons is having a fabulous season uh, uh, as his inaugural season, first year there, as he continues to surprise everybody, get it done. But just above him are them Grambling Slate Tigers, 7-2, 7-0. Looks like they will keep them out of the SWAC championship game as Grambling is on their way. Bethune-Cookman, Wildcats at number 2, 8-2, 6-1. Remember, they had that matchup where they went into the yep. G-Men's home game and had that high score in the foyer yep. that just won the game. Um, so they continue to be able to have leverage that over Grambling in terms of stop, top spot there. It will be interesting to see how that goes uh, going out of the season. Number one, North Carolina A&T Aggies, 8-1, 6-0. They find a way to get it done. They beat South Carolina State. They have that win over uh, Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. So they have some very solid wins. They deserve to have that number one seed. They did lose two first-place votes, but they just hold on uh, in total points there, 105-93, to 93, as they hold on to the number one spot. It'll be interesting to see this weekend. They shouldn't have a problem uh, as they uh, play Delaware State that is winless on the season. Uh, but, again, North Carolina Central has a big game. If they can find a way to get it done, it sets up a winner-take-all. And so we'll find out and give you some information on that, as that is interesting this week. The Alabama State Prairie View game, told you a little bit about Montgomery. The one that you want to keep your eyes on. Prairie View is still holding out hope, so they have to find a way to beat out Alabama State. Alcorn obviously would love to see Alabama State. It would lock their seat in there. Or they can find a way and just win and get it done themselves, as Alcorn State continues to um, – See what they can do is they take on Texas Southern at home this week. So we would imagine that shouldn't be a problem for them. But Texas Southern still has that knockout chance, especially with Griffin. Uh, the way he's able to put up touchdowns and points if the quarterback can get him the ball. No telling big what if, can happen. Big there. if. Yeah. That's the big if. <laughs> and Grambling State takes on Arkansas Pine Bluff that is struggling. We told you about that. So it looks like it shouldn't be a problem for Grambling. They win that game. They are in. You won't even have to worry about the Bayou Classic in terms of finding your way in the SWAC championship game as Southern um, lost their game last week to Alcorn State, which put their backs against the wall and pretty much knocked them out of the race. So that's my HBCU sports report. Big-time games, big-time teams. We're finding out to see who's going to be king of the mountain. And we'll start out next week with the mid-majors playing their conference championship game. A couple of things. You want to get into anything about separation Saturday with the uh Alabama beating LSU pretty easily. They showed Clemson beating Florida State. They, they showed why they are Alabama and the, why this is the, hold up. This is the same Alabama team that lost to, to Ole Miss, correct? Yeah, yeah. They, they lost to Memphis, correct? The Ole yeah. Miss team that is falling apart. They lost lost in lost. overtime to Arkansas. Yeah, yesterday. so that's the same. The really same Alabama team lost to Ole Miss twice. Yeah. and it'll and be now, interesting. Alabama that looks like a bad loss now. Oh, it is. It, bad it doesn't. Apparently, everybody else it does like they've all it I forgot about it. Alabama's Alabama now. Make the, as you're saying, Chris, those that make the thing, all they want to do is like kind of sweep that under like, the rug. Yeah, like it didn't exist. That was just a, just a loss. But everybody else has bad losses. Like Oklahoma, there's supposed to be a bad loss to Texas, but Alabama's loss is not a bad loss. Explain that. Yeah. I, I can't. This is this, this I, the Alabama I team that lost. I'm Ole not Miss, on the they lost to I'm Memphis. I'm going to answer that question just like this. They lost to Memphis the of the American. Uh, I am not a, on the committee. A non-Power 5 school, apparently. That's what they say, but that loss doesn't exist anymore. God, that was the best team in the country now. Blah, 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 blah. 
Clemson finally got it done. They got the Nuggets over Florida State. We'll For a minute there, you know, I was Alabama. Good. We know what they're going to do. They're the brand name. So if they can win, they have Nick Saban. People want to have them in the mix. Notre Dame beat Stanford. Notre Dame going to be in the Final Four. I love to see it. It'll now, be a great. I'm going to ask this question. But Clemson TC, should be in. TC, you lost Oklahoma State. They're done. Oh. Yeah. They got blasted. They're done. Yeah, and they lost. Uh, Baylor's crying. But we. <laughs> All of Baylor's yeah. luster is going yeah. down the toilet. Because now they have no hard game the rest of the way. Other than just a, a competition game. Baylor does. And in conference play, a hard. It, it, Don't they have Oklahoma State still? They still got Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah. And Texas. <laughs> Sorry. I'm laughing at that one. <laughs> what did I just say? What did I just say now? What did I just say? Oklahoma State's undefeated. Yeah. But what did I just say? And, and Oklahoma they State they has they got, they got, they got the momentum. Big 12 that we already said. That they we got have competition games. They don't State have a hard the, game down the road. Now. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State has the best conference win. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State is now fifth in the country. Non-conference win, if you give it all the credit to the SEC that everybody else wants to, since they defeated Tennessee but earlier. Does Baylor so have the a hard game or is a comp- uh, uh, just a competition? Oh, game I think it's, I think the Big Twelve is going to have the argument unless they beat each other up and you find teams to get two losses. Whoever comes out of Big Twelve is going to get in. And it might be a case that you have Oklahoma, and you know if Oklahoma's one loss, oh yeah, gets out and they get in brand name, it will it won't even be. That's, that's a, a, a point. But if you talk about, they all play each other. So you got Oklahoma State that just had a big win, TCU, Baylor. So they hadn't played those teams. You have Baylor playing. Uh, Baylor gets a chance to make a statement this week with Oklahoma. Baylor plays Oklahoma this week. Then Oklahoma so State, it, then TCU. Yeah, it's it's all on the table right now. So they will lose one of those games. And they don't, they deserve to be in. So they they they, they don't have a problem. So they're they're uh, the, what our problem I have with is their non conference schedule is still trash. So I'm not gonna say they deserve to be in this because they beat these three teams. If those, two, schedule, if, if those two teams are still at the top, I think they have a good argument. But you have to also look at the body of work. That non conference is garbage. But this is what I'm looking at is the fact that you have Stanford. Stanford is playing very good football. Mm-hmm. But Stanford is gonna be in some trouble. With the fact that they played Notre Dame, so one of those teams are going to knock each other out, I believe. Yeah, uh, the, the loser of that game yeah, won't that, get a shot. Losers will be have two losses, be two losses, and they're pretty much be out. So Notre Dame either is either going to knock out the Pac-12 champion, myself, or the Pac-12 champion, which will probably be Stanford if they win that game, mm-hmm. meaning they're going to knock out Notre Dame. So that means that you're going to have your spots available again. Yeah, uh, with. The Michigan State lost the Nebraska controversial loss for some people's eyes in terms of whether the guy was pushed out or however you can call Darn. it. Tomorrow, the night, we're going to have – Then you have Iowa sneaking in the back. Now, I know. Now, you know. They win the big – Folks, never – Are they going to be like left they out? They speculated with Iowa. They weren't sure about Iowa. And now – but they they looking to the, the, this, this Iowa has getting. the same type of schedule that Baylor does. Yeah, yes, exactly. This is what so I'm getting. They'll have for, one for win the, the for the final four: Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Stanford. Baylor, oh, no. I agree. If we're doing body of work, those three sorry opponents they played non-conference will come back and bite them in the butt, as it should. When you compare it to Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Notre Dame. I agree. I agree. And then I will continue to laugh my head off 
because they continue to schedule these sorry opponents in non-conference and then wonder and so cry. In your scenario, oh no, why are we getting and the Big Twelve? Big Twelve. I left Notre Dame beat Stanford. Yes, sir. Yep. It's going to be for a now night. The question becomes if we're going to get interested if Stanford beats Notre Dame. Do they, are they still in above Baylor? It's with the more difficult have because Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Huh? Because it would be Notre Dame's loss, it would be to Clemson. So Stanford's loss was who Stanford lose to? They lost Northwestern early, Northwestern, but they would see, have to win over Notre Dame in the scenario. And, see, but they would, they, and they would be the they'd have been USC, USC and UCLA and or Utah, Utah team. You know, their, their worst non-conference opponent was UCF. That's, I mean, it's a bad – UCF is winless. And but I didn't know it's the FBS team. But, yeah, so that's bad. But, but, but yeah, not as bad as Baylor. Until today, I didn't I know agree with you. That you well, that's what I'm saying. If Stanford beats – I'd still have them. Notre Dame. Yeah, I'd have both of them over Baylor. Personally, yeah. Now, this scenario, Oklahoma runs the table. The rest of the way? Yes. They win the big – they have a win over Tennessee. Okay. They have a win over Baylor. Okay. Went over TCU. Okay. TCU struggling by the end. That third loss. Oklahoma State, yep. The thing they have on their resume is the loss to Texas. That's a bad loss, though. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. But now. Depending on how Texas finishes, you determine whether it's a loss against a team that's sub-500 or right at 500. I, Either way, it's... Well, so are you, it's, are you it's saying it's they bumped Notre Dame? Is that what you're, you're see, surmi- surmising? It still goes back to what we talk about all the time, but brand. I, those two big brands. I don't know who you're going to do. Who has the Oklahoma and Notre Dame? Probably is Notre Dame. Notre Dame. You're talking about because schedule. their loss would be better. I think you're really going to get into schedules then. And, and yeah, their loss would be better than Oklahoma's loss. Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Oklahoma lost to Texas. And look bad doing it, too. They look bad losing yeah. to Texas. And, and it's going to be really dependent on how these teams play out when they beat the – I mean, if they run the table, then it's one thing. And how Notre Dame plays against Stanford. It's, it's going to get interesting at this end because you're going to have a you, – you have about six teams that really have a chance to make some statements going in. You're going to have some but, of that brand name Clemson, things playing itself off. I think the teams that are locked right now are is Clemson mm-hmm. and Alabama. And the irony is Alabama shouldn't be a lock. Right. But they are. Because it's, it's Alabama and the SEC. Right. And, I mean, like I said, they lost to Ole Miss, who lost to Memphis. Right. Memphis. Ole Miss now has two losses. And they lose some more. So, I mean, right. if and, they do, and that needs to pull down Alabama. Alabama just cannot be locked into where they are because of Ole and Miss. And Mississippi is three losses. So. And counting. Yeah. But that's, you know, it's funny how things work when you're part and of the SEC. Alabama lost their game at home. Excellent point. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, okay. Baylor has two first place votes in one poll and five in the other. Why? Probably somebody. Three, three of their wins. Maybe somebody. Their opponents are what a combined three and thirty or whatever. I mean, it's just something. Maybe somebody for the Waco Tribune Herald is voting. I mean, you know what? I know somebody. I can ask tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I will ask tomorrow, and we'll post it. Trust me. It won't be long. By, t- by 3 o'clock tomorrow, I will know. Three I of their know. wins over SMU, Lamar, and Rice. So it and Rice is going you, more and really more down the toilet. It doesn't matter how Baylor finishes the season. Their non-conference schedule is not going to be strong enough for them to that line plus up they're not playing in a conference championship game. Yes. The other top four or five teams yep. in the country. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unless those other four teams just fall apart. Lose. Double off. Yeah. 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 
because this is where I come from. You don't have a conference championship. That's that's a you problem. That's Your true. non-conference schedule is a you problem. You need to be penalized for you problems. For your you problems. I agree. Because if the committee award, rewards them for three, three weak non-conference opponents, then why even bother scheduling tough team non-conference? I would. That's 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 where I'm coming from. So you know we'll see how it all plays out, and the committee because it's supposed to be body of work, just like in basketball. Well, Baylor's body of work does not is not as good as other teams that they're competing against. And the only game that they've had close was they just had it this past weekend, this past week against Kansas State, and they held them off. I, I, I don't I don't even care yeah, about. Yeah, but he's not. Chris's you know, argument is not so much about margin defeat. We're excited that you can put up points and you can beat people to death. But at the end of the day, as you're matching up against these other teams, and we can go through those scenarios again. Notre Dame played a very solid schedule. Tough. Their loss will be, if they run the table now, will be to Clemson, a team that will be basically undefeated and have a very solid win and win the ACC. No question about it. Mm. If Stanford runs the table, they would have beaten Notre Dame top five team, right? Mm-hmm. They would have won the conference championship, yep. beating Utah or USC, right? Mm-hmm. Playing with their tough loss to a Northwestern, which at this point is a top 25 team. Yeah. They're teetering, but yeah, they get one pole they are. Yep. Yeah. Top 25 team. Yep. Yeah. Well, now both polls, so yeah. Both yeah. polls, because they won yeah. against Penn State this yeah. week. They got mm-hmm. this big win over Penn State this weekend, which is huge. This solidified their resume. So, again, you're looking at that. When you look at Baylor, what's the best win? And and Rice continues. To look, the more Rice loses, the worse that looks. Yeah. So, Baylor's best win right now is Rice. Or over Division FCS program? You know, I, I guess you can say Rice. Beating Kansas, West Virginia. Let's might as well say West Virginia out of the other, the yeah. other Big 12 team. That's yeah. it. That means that's it. And that, that, as you said, depending on what West Virginia finishes, that's getting worse and worse yeah. every week. So I, I'm consistent in in what I'm saying. This is uh, this is not brand new. This is a previous podcast. You need to penalize teams for their weak non-conference schedules if you're going to make the claim that it's body of work. Because yeah. even in Florida, some comes out. They're struggling to win their game, but that means they because would have Florida struggle with a team U of H shut out, thirty four nothing. Right. Florida's an SEC school, right? Yes. So is Vanderbilt, right? Yes. The Cougs beat Vanderbilt, thirty four nothing. Yep. Don't hear anything about Florida struggling compared to U of H smacking Vanderbilt around. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. In Florida, if they're not careful, they're gonna lose Florida State. I tell you, the power of the SEC media, man, it, it, it is it is it's amazing. Yes, it's impressive as hell for because they have perpetuated this for yes. so long. Yeah, that it will not die. We'll see though. On the court, Rockets have won four straight games. James Harden's playing well, but the team is so much more effective when Dwight Harden plays. You know, the Rockets are resting him and. Back-to-back situations, and and when he doesn't play, the defense, interior defense, despite Clint Capella blocking some shots, teams just don't fear Clint Capella yet. 
like they fear Dwight Howard. So Dwight's shooting 60-plus percent in his, his game. Rockets won four in a row. They're now four and three. James Harden seems to be breaking out of his slump. Got a break Saturday night with a non-goaltending call against Dwight on a shot by uh, Blake Griffin. But they beat the Clippers. So maybe things are turning around for them in, in the right direction. They got a winless Brooklyn Nets team this Wednesday at home on the 11th and then play Denver, who Rockets owe. Uh, game in Denver will be Friday the 13th in Denver and then come back to play Chandler Parsons and Dirk on the 14th Saturday at home then Boston on Monday at home on the 16th followed by the Blazers at home on the 18th so see if they can get some things going and continue their winning streak but gentlemen let me read this little snippet right here by time by the time all vacancies had been filled this summer there were seven, a 50% drop from three years ago, and the lowest total in 16 years. That seven represents the number of African-American head coaches in, in the NBA. Wow. Okay, now, I'm going to ask you this question. And, you, you, and Why was, what, in the transition of two of those replacements, was it more of a, a friend, relative, Associate, a former association with one of the, with two of the coaches that replaced one black coach for another. Like what? Uh, Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd has a relationship with the owner of the Bucks. Okay. That's that, that's where I'm. The article. Let me say the article is by telling the Bleacher Report by great NBA writer Howard Beck. Much respect for him, NBA senior writer. Lots of experience. A long-time NBA writer, I think going on 20-plus years. Howard wrote this article a few days ago, posted the article a few days ago. Lots of research, and he does not have a definitive right or wrong reason for this. He has interviews and quotes from different people, different executives, coaches, some anonymously. And majority of the people say that it's, this is just a blip. You know, it's an anomaly. Things will write themselves in the next few years. We'll see how things go. But one thing that struck me as, you know, we can all talk about the number of African-American general managers, owners, you know, and some of the players, recent players who retired, like Grand Hill, Shaq, don't want to coach. They want to be owners. So that's, that's how they, you know, so you take those guys. I think Grant Hill would, would have been a great coach. But Grant has, has other aspirations. He wanted to be an owner. He's part-time owner with the Hawks. So that's part of it as well. But let me see. I can find it here. There is a telling point that the number of players, former players, number of coaches, I got to find it here. Let's see. Um, black, the majority of black coaches basically are former players, whereas the majority of, of the white coaches are not. So, interesting. That, that is a, a telling number to me and I, I want to get the numbers the precise numbers here and if if the NBA can't quite get it right the rest of these leagues are not going to ever be able to get it right to put it another way of the 16 coaches who never played only two are black now, to put it in starker terms if you are black an NBA playing career is almost a prerequisite for landing a head coaching job if you are white it is not essential I found it ironic until I, I thought I remember back on um, 
It's Coastal Rockets, uh, Coastal Rockets, Cleveland, and uh, Boston. Uh, Bill Fitz. Bill, Bill Fitz. It's interesting how during that time when Coach and Josh were, were opening up, it was a lot of that. You know, guys not associated with the league, hadn't coached, hadn't play, you know, was never a player in basketball at all. You know, they were just picked, you know, it, they just knew somebody, knew somebody, got involved and got on the staff and kind of like just matriculated their way into a position over time. Now, mind you, Bill Fitch was successful in his in his run, but most the most of those coaches they just held on to those jobs because the times being what the times were during the sixties and the seventies. Well, it reads as if time hasn't changed much, and that's why in this I, case because there's no other explanation. Here we go. The fact that another stat with the league being almost seventy percent, seventy five, seventy five percent African American. And it's total opposite in regards to the reflection of how coaches are hired, which means that it's to the point that the only way that they could have some coaching representative is if they're guys that didn't play the game. So it's almost obvious bias that they want to have some reflection of leadership that is Eurocentric in framework. An article touches on one of the possibilities is that the uh, how I want to like. Analytics is the new way to not hire black coaches because the the old belief that black men are not oh, intellectual enough. I saw, I saw that in the article. I you got to read the article. article. I, I, yeah, I emailed you the link. You, you got to yeah. read the article. Yeah, you got to read it. You got to read it. From Dr. Todd Boyd in the article as well. It, it's almost like you listen to this. Here's this. Explaining Here psychology, uh, Here psychological like I said, framework. Howard, oh, Howard is not from the North American Society of Sports Sociologists. So hold I on. had yeah. a whole weekend of listening to this, and you just pounded it in further. It is amazing. Howard, Howard does not say, he does not come down and say this is the reason. Right. He but he, he, he gives you a framework. A you framework. figured out. Thank you. Consider these figures from the last decade. Of the 36 black coaches hired since 2005, 28 were former players. That's 78%. Of the 59 white coaches hired since 2005, 30 were former players. 51%. Of 78% former players were black hired head coaches. Well, 51% former players were white hired head coaches. Wow. Hold on, man. That's a... So the number of black assistants has, has shrunk in recent years. So it's different. You know, lots, like I said, different reasons. You know, ownership, assistant coaches, lack of general manager. You know, friends of friends. You don't have the, the same friends. You hire who you know. You hire who you like. Hire who you look look like. All possible things are mentioned in this article. As you said, the rationale may be different, and you can use reason. But I would suggest the reason isn't. It's one reason. Okay. And we know the reason. We waiting. I don't have to say it. It's set in the numbers. The data speaks for itself. And here we go, touching on that. Some black coaches suspect they are still being hurt by old stereotypes, whether conscious or unconscious, about athletes and intelligence. As I said. As Dr. Todd Boyd put it, quote, we know he can play, 
but can he teach someone else to play? You know, you I know think I there's this that. perception, yes. perhaps unconscious and perhaps unspoken, that a lot of black guys just aren't smart enough to do the job. And when you throw something like analytics in the mix, it adds to that even more, end quote. And then I wonder how much is this has to deal with the marketing component of this. You still have the framework of who do you want to lead your organization. And, that's and while GMs are a large component of your organization, and football GMs are look more as leaders, uh, but still the face of your organization is the coach. Yeah. But that's usually not, as you say, person in charge. Um, that does it all boils down to more so the guy that's signed writing the check. Or that's doing the hire. And this is a, a question. I guess the best way to answer it, how Many, you know, how many guys actually get a shot at the next level? Uh, I'm talking about from moving from the coaching staff, from the from the athletic field, and moving into the AD position. That is not just a former player, but a former player with a degree in education, a doctorate or a master's, and that is able to wade their way through the through the mud and the mire. And, and I just went to a conference with a whole uh, everybody there was PhD or was in the graduate PhD program. Well, enlighten enlighten the folks, Doc, enlighten the people, and tell them you know how how does that how does the guy I go to move? several conferences. Okay, let me make this clear. I go to several conferences over the fall and spring with people that look like me. I and for those that can't see because I'm already I'm African American, black. Black American, whichever term you prefer to use, is your color Negro, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, With that framework, I see PhD, EDD, doctorates all the time. It's not foreign to me. So to suggest that there are not people that are informed, trained, schooled, whatever term you want to do, is not true. As many of these individuals are playing the game, continue to look at it. So there's something out there that. Is outside of individuals being prepared and ready to take on these responsibilities, whether you want to call it coaching, GM, the AD, president's jobs. That old song and dance is old, mm. and I'm not playing anymore. It's time to just call it what it is. You have individuals that are in positions of power that are finding rationale and reasons to keep people of color out of those chairs. And let me conclude with these few thoughts. By any measure, the NBA remains far ahead of its peers. The NFL has just five black head coaches among the 32 teams and has never had more than seven. Major League Baseball has just one black manager, Dusty Baker, and he was just hired with one vacancy left to fill. So keep that in mind. Now, as I said, if the NBA can't get it right, we're really in trouble. Now, I'm going to ask you this question. And keep in mind, Byron Scott, the Lakers, he's, he's kind of on, he on ice. Shaky, he on shaky ground. Literally so on shaky ground. Be, he may not make it past the all from seven break. to six. So, <laughs> it's on, it's on so no, you know, it's, that's, that's true. Not, make, not being able to make it past the all-star game. Whether, you know, I know you, you've heard rumblings and all. Oh, yeah. So, we'll see that. But, you know, you, you got 
assistant coaches like Nate McMillan, Monty Williams, who may be rehired, may be Alvin maybe brought back into the mix. It's starting to fall into the coaches, the uh, Pelicans. Uh, and then you got rotation as they coaches say. with uh, Kevin Ollie. UConn and Shaka Smart at Texas. A, a lot of folks want Kevin to, so, to move up. you know, but Kevin said he's comfortable at, at UConn. He's up. And he probably sees it for what it is. But Well, I don't I don't think it's a problem with that because even if you move up, you're just displacing him because you have this problem at the NCAA level. Yeah, okay. So it would be nice to see that he has the opportunity to move up just like you would like to see anybody, regardless of color of skin, which is what we're talking about, to have an opportunity. Mm. But what we're saying here is even if he has the opportunity at the NBA level, that means that we need somebody to replace him at the NCAA level to, for it to be a one-on-one, mm. meaning each and every individual of color has that opportunity. So even in that case, this is a misclaim if we look at it, the framework of what is taking place here. So, so I, that, I tweeted this, you know, so you can go to my Twitter account at VHR Review, a link to the article. Got a lot of discussion about a great debate on it back and forth. And this final thing from the article. Dr. Boyd calls on Commissioner Adam Silver to investigate the issue, and he wraps it up with this quote. It's a consciousness, really, that has to be developed. I know a lot of people would like to say, well, race shouldn't have anything to do with it. But race has everything to do with it. End quote. And it also, the, the last thing that I'm going to say on it, it also breaks down the amount of time those guys sit in those seats. That is what I found was disturbing. Oh, you, you're talking about the longevity. Yeah. They don't get the same. They don't, it's, no. They're not. It's, time to get it right. Right, yeah. As other folks, or not ever get it right. They, other folks that don't get it right still get longer right. to not get it right. Yes. That even complicates the issue, and you're actually on point. And we're seeing this down the road with Charlie Strong and the questions of whether he will get even get into the third year. True. And up the street now at Penn State in a lot of ways, too. So uh, very intriguing. So even if you're fortunate to finally get your foot in the door, the ability to operate within that door is very short which is concerning. And the last thing I will say, obviously I would like people to listen to the show uh, every Tuesday, caseywishradio.com, 12.30. If you can't listen there, you can go to the podcast at Dr. Phil's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab on SoundCloud. Uh, but this has gained steam in terms of the Missouri students and the athletes taking place there. Again, uh, that hashtag concern student 1950. I told you I'm also part of a a website a community, if you would, www.studentathleteshumanrights.com. We've signed in with uh, the doctors that you were asking about earlier. People like Dr. Akila Carter, Dr. Wardell, Dr. Charles, myself, um, even Dr. Labchat has signed on and is part of this student. AthletesHumanRights.com movement to support the hashtag Concerned Students 1950 in terms of what's going on in Missouri uh, as we are fully engaged as faculty that say that we're part of the social thought that we want to be just as much as part of the action as well. Wrap it up. How can folks find you, Wildcat? You can find me at, at SoundCloud, Twitter, uh, TweetDeck, uh, and YouTube, AKSV, DCSR, the College Sports Report on Blogger, uh, 
on Twitter and Facebook, J.L. Woodley 1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. Doc, just give everybody the info again one more time, please. Sure, more than happy to. I'm Dr. Kenyatta Gaville, Associate Professor at Texas Southern University for Sport Management. You can listen to me in regards to the HBCU reports on Dr. Gaville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab every Tuesday from 6 to 7, Caseways Radio, 1230 a.m. on the dial. That's com. If you want to listen on the airwaves, and if you're not able to listen live, you can go to the podcast on SoundCloud at Dr. Ville's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Uh, we're getting ready for basketball season, so you can start seeing my polls on Chris's website, and he'll give you more about the Houston Round Ball review in regards to those updates, and we'll close out on www.thg-agency.com where you can get the top 10 HBCU mid-major and major polls and also would like to give a special recognition uh, for December 2nd through the 5th we will have the inaugural HBCU Athletic Research Consortium Conference also known as the HBCU-ARC Conference right here in Houston, Texas December 2nd through the 5th you can go to the website thg-agency.com backslash hbcu-art to get more information to sign up for it. Uh, it will kick off with the Ben L. Cowell Senior HBCU Football Award that Tuesday, uh, excuse me, that Wednesday, December the 2nd at 7.30 again, that Wednesday, December 2nd, and that will be at the Crown Plaza, NRG, right there at 7.30. Again, you can get your tickets at uh, www.thd-agency.com. I think it's going to be a powerful event for those that want to support uh, those local events, the money that is raised will go to scholarships uh, to have students remain in school to get the education and have a chance to be fruitful sports managers so we can change some of these frustrating and challenging uh, efforts that we talk about, both positive and negative. Uh, we can do a better job of teaching students to be aware of these different nuances. And we'll have a chance to make a difference and change those. So help me support these students. And if you're not able to make it, understand you may from a long distance, there is the ability to give donations. So we accept those at www.thd-agency.com. And be patient. The shirts are, are coming. We're getting some various designs, some various opportunities. So uh, we want to have that support. We've had people ask for them, but we want to do it right. So we'll get them to you as soon as we can make sure to develop the quality so you can have a first grade shirt that states who we are and what we do. The Big Ten has just made an announcement on yesterday's final decision on the game between Nebraska and Michigan State determining that proper officiating mechanics were used when received uh, determining a dis the Nebraska receiver stepping out of bounds before returning to the field to catch the winning touchdown against Michigan State with 17 seconds left. They st the conference stopped short of saying the call on the field was correct, but the proper officiating mechanics were used. Right, because they said that they went to instant replay, and on instant replay they cannot say whether the guy was pushed out of bounds or not. All they can say is, did he go out of bounds by himself? He was touched so obviously he didn't go out of bounds by himself and that's why they were saying that the proper call wasn't made because there was no call made at all 
that he went out of bounds. So they can't review that. So they didn't say anything. I'm done. But appreciate the update. Yeah. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. College basketball season is here. Wildcat and I were at Hawthorne's earlier Sunday watching the U of H women win the exhibition game over the Texas A&M International University Dust Devils. Some improvement. 59-42. They, they look good. Had a few. They have more talent than they did uh, last season. So that's at the plus. I have the interview posted on my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review. I was at Shop Gym on HBU's campus Friday to watch the women's team beat Southwestern 90-56. to uh, Coach Penny wasn't happy with the defense, transition defense specifically. But uh, so that's two exhibitions under my belt. Once again, I had a chance to interview uh, Tina Langley at Rice. Post that on YouTube. Go to the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. I believe Wildcat's going to interview Coach Langley on Monday. Yep. So you can go to his blog and check that out as well. She's got a, a tough road this season. Very difficult non-conference schedule with new players who aren't her, her players. So you have to give her a chance to recruit and bring in her style yeah. players there. But she's got it's gonna be a struggle. over the season Friday at Kentucky. Home opener versus Texas. And it goes to Waco to play Baylor. That's three of her non-conference teams on the schedule. So Nothing Coach soft anymore, Greg Williams didn't leave her any, any favors with with that non-conference schedule or the lack of talent he left in the cupboard for her to take over this season. So those things are in the books. Interviewed uh, Memphis head coach Josh Pastner posted that interview on the SoundCloud channel. As for us, KG, Fifth Wildcat, and Doc on SoundCloud. You can check it out there. As well as it's on my men's hoops blog on the HoustonRoundBarReview.com website. So a lot of different things are, are there for you to check out. As always, our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Pod Directory. You can also see the link on HoustonRoundBarReview.com. We're everywhere. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you for checking out the, we got two new likes on the KG, Fifth World Wildcat, and Doc Facebook page. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for your input. Thank you for your time. Fellas, thank you for your, your knowledge and your opinions. We'll do it again soon. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.